Amen. Thank you, guys. That's one of my favorite songs. It's one of my favorite Bible verses, Numbers 6, where it talks about, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. It's a, a blessing that, that we say as a family every morning before the kids go to school. And uh, as you can imagine, with, with two... Uh, Two small children trying to get them out the door in the morning and to school. It's not always as, uh, it didn't always go as according to plan, right? It's not always that, that beautiful and worshipful. So I enjoyed that so much. Um, and I actually want to talk a little bit about that today. Um, just to kind of get started today, uh, last week I shared with you a story about uh, something that, an event from my childhood that really impacted me and informed my, my understanding of of God's love, the, the selfless, sacrificial love of God in Jesus Christ. And it happened through the, the selfless, sacrificial act of another person uh, who, who embodied that in, in, in a way for me at a young age. And so, uh, so we talked a little bit last week about how uh, the love of Christ is, is transformational. The love of Christ not only saves us, but it, it changes us, right? Uh, the good news of God's grace is is that how we live our lives doesn't change God's love for us, but God's love for us definitely changes how we live our lives, right? Or, or at least it should, right? Because once we realize the depth of God's love for us in Jesus, the love of Christ compels us to, to share that love with others, with our words and with our actions. Once we've accepted the invitation to be loved by Christ, once we see ourselves as beloved, in Christ, then we can answer the call of Christ to be loved to those around us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and the way that we do that is to love others the way that Christ loved us in a way that's selfless and sacrificial and servant-oriented. We don't, we don't do it to earn God's favor or to draw attention to ourselves. We do it as a response to God's grace. Um, but it does draw attention, not, not to us, but to the transformation that's that's possible, the transformation that takes place in, in folks like you and me when we choose to, to respond and, and be drawn to Jesus. So, so we've talked a lot this year about how our relationship with God impacts and involves our relationships with others, right? And, and on the other end of that, right, how our relationships with others impacts and involves our relationship with God. And, and I wanna, I wanna dig into that a little bit more today uh, because I think it's important for us to acknowledge something. I think it's important for us to acknowledge that, that our life of faith doesn't happen in a vacuum, right? It's not uh, one compartmentalized part of our lives. There's our, our spiritual life and then there's our real life, right? No, that's not, that's not how it is. It's, it's just our life. It's all of our lives. And, and so as, as Christians, as followers of Christ, as the church, we're trying to faithfully navigate uh, a pretty complex web of relationships on a daily basis, amen? And, and so that's one of the reasons that I'm so thankful uh, that Jesus, in his teachings in the New Testament, in the Gospels, uh, in one particular place, Jesus forever links these, these spheres of our life. If we were ever tempted to say, well, there's my, there's my relationship with God and then there's my relationship with other people, and those are two totally separate things, uh, if we were ever uh, tempted to, to see it that way, uh, Jesus answers this question for us 
uh, when, when the, the teachers of the law ask him what the greatest commandment is. Do you remember that? They asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment of all the law, all the prophets, everything that's written in the word of God? And Jesus basically says it all boils down to these two things that really can't be separated from each other at all. You remember? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And he says, and the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and I think the cross is such a, a beautiful picture of that, that vertical relationship with God and the horizontal relationship with others, how it's, it's connected in Christ by the cross. So, so I want us to, to kind of wrestle with this question today, and it's this. What, is, what does that look like for us to love God and love our neighbors ourselves? What does that look like for us on a daily basis? Uh, thankfully, the Bible addresses that. It, it tells us how to do it. It gives us uh, examples and encouragement throughout the New Testament on, on how to live this out. Um, not perfectly, but, but faithfully. And, and God's word to God's people gives us God's wisdom on how to, how to love God and others while we're navigating these complex relational uh, issues that we deal with on a daily basis. Uh, there's so much wisdom in the Bible about what it looks like to live in relationships with others in a way that honors our relationship with God. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of passages today that, that give us some insight into that. Uh, but if I had to sum it up, if I had to sum up the Bible's response to all this, it would, it would simply be this phrase, be loved. If, if, we, can, if we can be loved, if we can learn how to love more, then we can. Then we really we're learning. We're on our way to living more this life that that Christ has called us to. And so I decided we would just take a, a few weeks and flesh this out a little bit about what this looks like in our lives and in our life together, uh, in light of what we talked about last week, as we learned about the the selfless, sacrificial, servant-oriented love of God that's in Jesus Christ. And and so here's the, here's how I want to phrase the question today. Here's what I want us to consider: What does it look like for us? to be loved in the various places and with the various people that we find ourselves. Uh, over the next few months, uh, this month of February, right, the Valentine's Day month, the, the month where we kind of focus on, on love, uh, I want us to unpack this together a little bit as a family of faith. So, so today I want us to, to ask that question. As, as beloved children of God, as People who have been saved by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. We're being sanctified. We're being made new on a daily basis through the power of the Holy Spirit. What does it look like for us to be love at home? To be love to our, our, our family, our, our kids, our spouse, our, our parents, our extended family, our neighbors. What does it look like to be love to the people closest to you? Uh, not just physically or geographically, but, but emotionally and, and relationally, right? If you think about it, those are the folks that, that usually see us at our worst. But they're also the folks that we have the, the greatest potential to impact in order to bring out the best in, in not only us, but them. So I want us to wrestle with that a little bit today. And I want to acknowledge something right from the very beginning. Uh, if I'm really honest, and, and you know I try to be, uh, it's one thing for me to stand up here on Sunday morning and talk about what it looks like to be loved in worship. But it's a lot harder to live that out in, in the real world, in the real life, and, in, and especially at home. Uh, so I've had to ask myself this week as I've prepared for this sermon, what does it look like 
What does it really look like for me to be love? What does it look like? What does be love really look like when I get home at the end of a busy day and all I want to do is sit down and, and rest or go to bed, but, but Abby and the kids haven't seen me all day and they need to know that I value them more than I value my work? How about you? What does it look like when, when, when we're getting the kids ready in the morning and I've told them a thousand times to put their shoes on and get in the car because if we don't get in the car on time, we can't say the prayers before you go to church and I can't say the blessing and you can't be blessed before you go to church. Last week, I snapped at him while we were trying to do the prayer and I had to ask forgiveness because I was like, you guys just pay attention and listen. Lord, thank you so much for our kids and, and just bless them today. And I realized that just that didn't work out, so I had to apologize. Has that ever happened to you? I had to ask myself, what does it look like when, when Abby and I don't see eye to eye on something? And, and the feelings we're fighting aren't the ones that REO Speedwagon was talking about in that song that we danced to at our wedding. That's not really the kind of love that, that we, we like to talk about and celebrate like on Valentine's Day, right? It's not the kind of love that we sing songs or watch movies about. It's not the kind of love Hallmark makes cards about. But that's the kind of love, I think, that, that God's Word teaches us about, that we need to learn how to, how to live into if we, if we want to really live out our faith. And God's Word teaches us about this. And, and not only does God's Word teach us, but, but God's Word, the Word made flesh, Jesus, showed us that kind of life, that kind of love. I want us to look at a couple of passages this morning that, that I think are, are sometimes challenging to us in our relationships. Uh, the first one is found in the fifth chapter of, of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, there's a little heading. My Bible has little headings. And um, in my Bible, this passage starts with this heading that says, Instructions for Christian Households. Have you read this, these passages before? Let me see if you, you'll notice. You'll probably notice some of these. The very, first, uh, the very first thing it says here, though, I think sets the tone for the whole passage. Verse 21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then what follows verse 21 are some, are, are some passages of Scripture that probably rank as some of the most misquoted and most misused and abused words from the Word of God. Uh, I've got a professor that you've heard me say it. You've probably heard John Weaver say it. He says, a text without a context is a pretext for a proof text. And, and what that means is a text, the, the verse, right? Uh, a proof text is basically when you take a verse out of context and use it for however you want to use it, right? Um, and so a text without a context is a pretext for whatever you want it to mean. And, and I think that sometimes uh, this, this text has been proof text. And so I want to look at the context a little bit. This morning, I want to read this for you. You've probably heard this verse before, Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. And now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now. Before y'all start throwing, so I already see people looking at me funny. Just hang on, just hang on, okay? Let's, let's keep going here. Listen to verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as, they, as their own bodies. He who loves his wife 
loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Now, this, this, uh, this passage of scripture has been discussed, it's been preached on so many times, and, and we could dig into it today and kind of debate the finer points, and we could probably get as riled up as you're going to be this evening at the Super Bowl party. But, and then somebody might want to come pour Gatorade on me, I don't know. Have y'all, have y'all seen that on, on uh, that little Facebook thing where it says you should be as excited about church as you are the Super Bowl, and if your preacher makes a good point, you should go up and pour Gatorade on him? You seen that? Anyways, I thought that was funny. I saw that this week. Um, instead of doing that, though, today, what I really want to do is I want to I just make a simple statement, and I hope you'll allow me to do it. I think it cuts to the heart of the matter with passages like these uh, based on the context. I believe that, that this passage and, and others like it are explained with that opening verse. I think it all goes back to, to verse 21. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I think this is a template for us. It's the starting point uh, for healthy relationships. In other words, as beloved children of God, as members of the beloved body of Christ, be loved to one another in a way that our lives reflect the life of Christ. I think one of the reasons that that passages like this one have been so contentious and so controversial is because we get hung up on that word submit and the, and the power dynamics that it implies, right? Um, and that's a problem because I, here's the deal. Here's what I think at the very core of it. As human beings, we have a tendency to be more concerned with the love of power than with the power of love. Does that make sense? Let me say it one more time. I believe that as human beings, we have a tendency to be more concerned with the love of power than the power of love. And it, and it affects the way that we, we read God's word. We hear a word like submit, and, and we immediately go to one or two extremes, don't we? Uh, we either hyper-focus on, on who is supposed to submit to us and how they're supposed to do it, or we, we go to the other extreme and we hyper-focus on our, our own individuality and autonomy and we push back on having to submit to anyone or anything. Guys, I can hear you right now. Man, I can't wait until dinner tonight. I can say to my wife, you heard what the preacher said today. You got to submit. So, so go in there and wash those dishes and I'm going to go in here and watch the game. Now, there's, a, there's two, at, least two, at least two problems with that, okay? One, that's not the power, that's not the, the power of love, that's the love of power. And number two, that's not what the passage says. In fact, the part that's addressed to us husbands says that we need to love our wives like Christ. And what did Christ do? You remember? The Bible says that he came not to be served, but to serve and give his life. For others. In fact, in John chapter 13, it talks about how when Jesus realized that God had put all things under his authority and power, do you know what he did? You know what the first thing he did? He took a towel and basin and washed his disciples' feet and told them to follow his example. That's the power of love. So maybe we're the ones that need to wash the dishes or, or wash the feet of our families. Now, wives, don't you, you know, get too comfortable and misuse that, or I'm going to call you out next week, okay? 
I think the point of this passage is intended to push us past these, these power dynamics that are normally at play in our lives and in our relationship and in our culture. In fact, the, the, the gospel was very, is and was, was and is very countercultural. The good news of God's grace is that through his selfless sacrifice for us, Christ has overcome our love for power with the power of his love. Does that make sense? When, when, when we submit to his authority, when we surrender our will to his will, we experience life like we've never experienced it before. Life abundant and life eternal and life together in Christ as that relationship with Christ transforms all of our other relationships. There's a powerful truth that God's word teaches us here and, and over and over again, and, and, it, and it's this, to submit to one another in reverence to Christ means to surrender our natural love of power so that we can share in the supernatural power of love that's ours in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit with others. It's about sharing in it together. Does that make sense? Are y'all with me? You're not mad at me, are you? Okay, all right. Just checking. I tried to equally call everybody out in that passage, so... Um, there are a couple more examples, though, that I think illustrate this. Just real quickly, that, that conversation continues on in, in chapter 6. Paul says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Parents, as much as we'd like to quote that passage next time we want to flex our uh, authority over our children, listen to what the next verse says. It says, parents, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, now how that convicts me, what that says to me is that instead of always pointing out what, what they're doing wrong, that I need to point them towards what's right. And I need to give them an example to follow. I know that my kids follow my example a lot more than they do my advice anyways. But we need to live this out. It's, it's this idea of we all have a responsibility to one another, right? We, we belong to each other. And it's this idea of mutual respect and mutual care and blessing that, that moves us beyond the love of power to the power of love. Now, I also want to acknowledge this. I know that there are a lot of really complicated situations and relationships in life, right? That, that the Bible doesn't specifically give us steps one, two, three, and four. They're not addressed in this passage. Things like, what, what does this look like in a blended family? What about dealing with your adult children? What about when, in many ways, you become the parents to your parents? And I'm not going to pretend to have all the answers to all these complex, multi-layered situations, but I believe that this guiding principle is still there, even when the particulars aren't particularly clear. It always goes back to, as beloved children of God, as, as members of of the beloved body of Christ, we are called to be love to one another. And if we're doing that, if we're seeking to do that, then I think we're on the right track. Real quickly, what, what, about, our, what about our neighbors? Let's think about that for just a minute. Maybe those who are, who are closest in proximity to us but might not be closest to our hearts. Uh, the question I kicked around this week that I wanted to throw out to you is, how do we love our neighbors as ourselves when our neighbors are not like ourselves. 
What I mean by that is, what about that neighbor that doesn't look like you? Or think like you? Or act like you? Or take care of their house? Or their yard like you? Now, I bet by now you've got somebody in mind, right? You've got that neighbor in your head. If you don't, then you might be that neighbor, okay? I have to confess to you, I think in, in some ways I'm that neighbor in our neighborhood. Uh, the neighbors on both sides of our houses have these yards that look like the fairways of the PGA Tour, and, and, and my yard looks like the fairway at the VA golf course. And, and so it's, it's, you, know, you can really tell a difference. And um, their yards are always so pristine and clean, and ours have basketballs and Barbie dolls and all kinds of things out there uh, lying in the driveway. But our neighbors have chosen to be love to us. They have been, they're joyful and they're never judging. And uh, since it's obvious that we have kids, they, they love to bring over little snacks and gifts during the holidays. And they've offered to watch our house and get our mail while we're gone. We've done the same for them. And so over the years, They've become like family. And, and I'd like to believe we've both been blessed and been better off because of that relationship, because, because we chose to be love to one another. Again, it's this idea of mutual blessing and mutual care and concern. It's, it pushes us past the love of power to the power of love, just like with our families. Sometimes the people that are closest to us in proximity have the most possibility of, of seeing us at our worst but they're also the people that they have the most potential for being impacted by our lives and for our lives being impacted by theirs. So once again, as beloved children of God, as members of Christ's beloved church, we are called to be love to those closest to us, to love the way Christ loves us in a way that's selfless and sacrificial and servant-oriented, not to earn God's favor or not to draw attention to ourselves, but to draw attention to the transformation that takes place when people like you and me allow Christ to move in and through our lives. I want to read one more scripture for you. I think Paul drives this home in his letter to the Romans. He says this. He says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. Whatever other command there may be, it's summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. So, let me ask that question one more time and and ask it in a more personal way for us to consider and think about and pray about on this Valentine's Day Eve. What does it look like for you to be love in the various places and with the various people that you find yourself? Not necessarily in the way that we sing songs and watch movies and things like that about, but in big and small ways what does it look like for us to be love in the way that God's word teaches us about? What would it look like for you this week to love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself in a way that they're not two separate things, but, but they're two sides of the same calling with the people closest to you?
on a daily basis? What would that look like? Could it be sacrificing some of your me time for some we time? What about choosing to, to listen before you talk? What about asking your spouse or your son or your daughter, or your sister, or your brother, or your friend, your neighbor, how their day was and, and really listening to their response? What about asking your kids or, or your parents or your siblings what they need before telling them what they need? What about checking on a neighbor to see how they're doing before complaining about how their porch or their yard looks? What about... What about instead of giving a family, your, your family member an earful, even if they really deserve it, you give them an example to follow? What if we followed Christ and set an example for those closest to us of what it looks like to submit to one another in reverence to Christ? To surrender our natural love of power so that we can share the supernatural love, power of love that's ours in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. To share with those closest to us what it looks like to faithfully, not perfectly, but faithfully, live out this relationship with God through our relationships with others. How might that impact our lives and their lives and our relationships with those around us if we decided today, as beloved children of God, as members of Christ's beloved church to be love to those around us. Can we pray about that together? Let's pray. Lord, we know that you have called us to love and yet we know that we can't do it without you. Lord, there are so many times that we as human beings follow after the love of power instead of the power of love. And so we thank you for your grace that not only saves us, but changes us, God, that you not only restore us and renew us, but you've given us such an example to follow through your son, Jesus, who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We thank you that your word reminds us that in our relationships, to have the same mindset as Christ, who being in very nature God can did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of the ser servant, being made in human likeness, became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And, and therefore you exalted him to the highest place. You gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord for your glory. But God, help us to live our lives in such a way that those around us might know that God, that you are with them, that you are for them, that you are working in and through and around us for our good, for your glory, which is our greatest good. Lord, give us strength today to do what we can't do on our own, to love one another like you love us. And God, we thank you that with you, all things are possible. And so Lord, help us to just be open today to the possibilities that are in front of us because of you, because of your love for us. 
Lord, help us to open our hearts to receive it today so that we might share it with others. We ask all this in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The altars are open as we sing our closing song. If you'd like to come and pray, you're more than welcome to do that. If you'd like somebody to pray with you, I'd love to pray with you. Just let me know. Uh, you may just want to pray at your seat or just sing the words to this song, but let's use these last couple minutes uh, to respond to the Lord today. Would you stand as we sing?